Well, good morning to everyone except Minnesota Vikings fans. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I've been a Colts fan. I was thinking this morning I've been a Colts fan for 30, this is our 39th season, I think, that they've been in Indianapolis. 39 years, and there's been some lean years in there. Uh, A lot of years in the 80s were pretty bad. Uh, 97 was pretty bad, but that led to Peyton Manning, so that was good. Uh, 2010 was really bad, but that led to Andrew Luck, so that was good. So I don't know uh, what this year's going to lead to, but, you know, there is hope in Jesus, guys. We have hope (laughs) in the Lord, and so I'm just putting all my hope in him and not in a GM or a coach or a team, but we're not here to talk about the Colts this morning. We're here to talk about bitterness. And so, uh, how many of you have ever done this? You, uh, you pull into work or to school or wherever you go in the morning, and that car is there. You know the car I'm talking about? Their car? Like the car of that person, the one person that you don't want to spend time alone with, and it's the only car in the parking lot right now. Did you ever, have you ever like started your car back up and driven around the block a few times until somebody else comes in? Anybody ever done that? Anybody willing to fess up? Yeah, okay, all right, good. I'm not alone, I'm glad about that. Uh, How about this, maybe you're at the, uh, oh, by the way, I call that the parking lot test. I think it's a really good test to see if you've got any any animosity, any bitterness towards somebody in your life. Uh, Maybe for you, it's happened at the store or at the mall, you're just shopping, you're minding your own business, You turn the corner down an aisle and there they are standing there. You weren't prepared, right? You weren't expecting to see them there. That's not where they usually go and they shouldn't be there. And so you just kind of freeze. Or or maybe it's on uh, social media. You're scrolling through Instagram, you're scrolling through Facebook and all of a sudden their picture pops up and your heart rate starts to increase and your attitude starts to sour. Or maybe the phone rings and you look down and you go, I'm so thankful for caller ID right now, right? Because I can just smile and hit that reject button and say, not today, Satan. We're not doing this, right? There's a chance if that one of those things has happened to you that you've got some bitterness in your life that maybe you need to address. So why are we talking about this today? Why, why are we talking about bitterness? It is Christmas time, guys. This is Christmas week. Shouldn't we be talking about baby Jesus in a manger or angels or shepherds or three wise men or something that's going to bring our hearts back to the place of Christmas? Well, maybe, maybe, but here's why. There's a chance that in the next week or so, you're going to go to a family dinner or you're going to host a family dinner. And at that dinner, there will be someone that you do not want to see or sit by, right? And you're going to see that person there and it may cause you to wish that you had called in sick or walked away or not come, right? Now that can simply be because they're not very much fun to be around. You know, for all of us, there are people that we like And then there are people that other people like, right? We all have those people in our lives. But it might be much deeper than that. The truth is there could be some pain there, that that somebody hurt you. We all have hurt in our lives. Uh, It's an unfortunate part of life. And sometimes that pain is a result of something as simple as a misunderstanding, a miscommunication. Honestly, that's all our spiritual enemy needs. You know, you have a very real enemy. If you are in Christ, you have a very real enemy who would love to cause division and strife within a family, within friendship, within a relationship. And all it takes is one little miscommunication and you assume the worst 
and they assume the worst about you, and all of a sudden there's a deep wedge driven in that relationship. That can happen. But sometimes it goes much deeper than that even, and it's not a little thing. There's been an outright insult or rejection or betrayal. Sometimes the hurt and resentment we feel uh, that we experience are the result of something downright cruel that somebody did to us. And while that hurt is very real and it's very natural, um, a result of being rejected or betrayed or lied to, the one thing I want to caution you today is to watch out that you don't allow bitterness to seep into your life uh, towards the person that hurt you. In fact, today, as we, call, as we continue in our series called Travel Light, I want to encourage you to leave bitterness behind this Christmas. So in a crowded, busy holiday season, it's uh, common for people to feel weighed down by things like worry and loneliness and despair and bitterness. And our goal in these few weeks leading up to Christmas is to help you see that the weight of those things that we often experience is something that God never really meant for us to carry. And his solution is simple, to leave behind the baggage and travel light. Now, when it comes to bitterness, you might think that seems pretty simplistic, right? God didn't intend for you to carry it, so leave it behind. Let's pray, uh, we can sing a song, then we'll go home and we'll all be good. But it's not really that simple, right? I mean, after all, I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what she did to you. I don't know what he said to you. Maybe somebody took advantage of you. Maybe they stole your innocence. Maybe somebody gossiped about you. Maybe, maybe your mom and dad divorced right when you needed them the most. Maybe your wife cheated on you. Or maybe it's not what someone did to you, but what they did to someone you love. I want you to know that today I'm not trying in any way to minimize what you've been through, whatever it is, or make light of what you've gone through. I, I don't know what happened to you. I won't try to pretend to know what your pain feels like, but I do know what pain feels like. I, I know what it means to be hurt, I also know what it means to be filled with bitterness and resentment, and I've seen and experienced what that can do to someone. But here's what I hope to share with you today, because even though I've seen and I've experienced what bitterness can do to someone, I've also seen freedom. I've seen redemption. I've seen what can come from letting go of the hurts and the pains of the past. And if you're living with bitterness towards someone in your life, I want that for you today. I want you to know that real freedom comes from letting go and leaving behind bitterness. And I've been praying for you this week and I've been praying that that healing could come and begin even today, that even today, God's Holy Spirit would be working through the words you're gonna hear, through the scriptures you're gonna hear, and that he'll be working in your heart. And so with that in mind, if you've got your Bibles, let's open them to Hebrews chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, we've got some in the back of the room on that table in the center, and that's our gift to you. If you don't own a Bible, we would love for you to take one of those with you because most weeks here at Genesis, we are uh, going through a piece of scripture, and we'd love for you to be able to read that and bring that reading with you to, to uh, Sunday morning. But uh, if you want one of those Bibles, grab one of those, take it with you. Hebrews 12 is on at page 824 of those Bibles. We want to look into the scripture today and find out why it's so important for us to leave behind bitterness in our lives. So we're gonna start in Hebrews 12, chapter 14. If you're there, that's great. If not, we'll put the verses on the side screens here. Hebrews 12, 14 says this, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So right away we dive in and the author of Hebrews seems to make some connection between our ability to be at peace with people and our holiness. And holiness comes through this process called sanctification. Uh, now, when we 
accept Christ into our lives, we are forgiven right away. All of our sin is forgiven, right? Uh, We are saved. We are uh, preserved for the kingdom of heaven. That happens right away. But there's this process that comes after that called sanctification. And it's this process of us becoming more and more like Jesus. And that is a long process. And in that long process of sanctification, one of the ways we become more like Jesus, the author of Hebrews is saying, is that we live at peace with one another that we learn to get along with everyone. In fact, the way the Apostle Paul writes it in Romans, uh, the responsibility is on us. Look at what he says in Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, in your case, you may think, well, I've tried to make peace, but they won't listen, or uh, they won't apologize, or they've just done too, too much wrong too many times. They're not really sorry anyway. But let me ask you, and you don't have to answer this out loud, okay? Just in, the, in your own heart, answer this question. Have you really done everything as far as it depends on you to try to make peace with that person in your life? I mean, I read that, and when I read that, as far as it depends on you means that you have exhausted every measure to get back into that right relationship. Is that true in your case? Let me show you why this is important. Hebrews 12 continues, verse 15, says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I think it's so fitting that the Bible refers to bitterness and compares it to a root. You know, uh, several years ago, probably 15 years ago now, my wife and I built this house uh, on a big lot out in the country and there was no sewer system where we were building, and so we had to put in a septic field. If you've ever done this, you know septic fields are are large. First of all, they take up a lot of space, and they're expensive. Uh, I think at the time, again, this was 15 years ago, it probably cost us 15 grand to put this in, okay? So we put in this septic field, and when we finished, the the guy who put it in came up to me, and he gave me a bottle of this stuff, and he said, hey, the most important thing that you can do is to pour this down the toilet about once a year, Because what it's going to do is it's going to kill all the roots. So you've got a lot of trees on this property, and all the roots are going to want to come down into your septic field, and they will break up all the equipment, all the pieces, and then you'll have to have it replaced. And he said, and I got to tell you, it's a lot more expensive to replace it than it was to put it in. And so I said, once a year, I'm doing this once a month. Like every month, I'm pouring. I didn't do that. But it it was telling to me that roots can be very invasive, right? They can, they can take over. They can uh, come a lot of places. They can, they can move in where they're not welcome. And the writer of Hebrews says that the root of bitterness can, grow, can uh, grow up to cause trouble and defile many. And so one reason, if you're taking notes, one reason we need to leave bitterness behind is that bitterness hurts everyone, including me. Like if I'm the one feeling bitterness in my heart, Bitterness doesn't just hurt the people around me or the relationships I'm in. It certainly doesn't just hurt the person I'm bitter toward. It also hurts me. It defiles many. And so many people today, maybe even some of you here in this room, are living with a bitter root in your life. Maybe you're not completely aware of it, mostly because you're used to living with it. You're used to holding a grudge. But friends, I got to tell you, bitterness, I think, is the hardest sin to see in the mirror. And it's so hard because we can easily justify it. (laughs) We know what they did to us. We know how that felt. We know that hurt. And so we just allow it to live with us and to take up residence. You know how you've got that one friend who you can call anytime and you know they're going to be on your side no matter what happens. You've got that one friend. Bitterness can be that friend for you. 
right? It can be very comfortable. So we curl up with that friend of bitterness and we tell it all the things that they did wrong and we allow it to be our comforter. We just become accustomed to living with it day in and day out. Friends, we shouldn't live our lives with a bitter root growing inside of us. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 is a verse that's often read at weddings. Maybe it was at your wedding if you're married. If not, you've probably been to a wedding where you've heard it. One of the pieces of 1 Corinthians 13, it says that love keeps no record of wrongs. But bitterness has long, detailed records of wrongs. You know, he, he hurt me, she misled me, they lied to me, they let me down. And because of those long, detailed records, bitterness will keep growing and growing. And the longer you allow it to live, listen to me, the deeper it grows and the more destructive it gets and the harder it is to kill. In the New Testament book of Ephesians, Paul writes about how important this is for those of us who would say we're Christians to live as examples in this, right? For, for people who are Christians, he's writing to the church in this, Ephesians 4.31, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Okay, that sounds easy, right? Get rid of it. Just forget everything they did to you. Is that what he's saying? Just pretend nothing ever happened. Is that really the answer? No, I don't think that's what he's saying. He's saying get rid of bitterness, yes. Then how do we get rid of it? How do we eliminate that root of bitterness? He goes on, Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. See, in case you've forgotten, forgiveness is the key to the Christian life. If you were to gather a bunch of people from all the different world religions around and ask them what is the key to their world religion, the one thing that would set Christianity apart is this idea of forgiveness. That at Christmas, we celebrate that Jesus came to earth as a baby boy, but sometimes at Christmas, we forget that he grew into a man, that he lived a sinless life, that he went to the cross and died an atoning death, a death that we deserve on the cross so that we could be forgiven for our sins. That, that forgiveness piece is the most important part of that. If, if you haven't been forgiven for your sins, then why are you here? Like, what is Christ all about to you? Forgiveness is the most important part. And the fact is, not just, we don't need, just need forgiveness because Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, but you and I, we constantly go against the will and the ways of God. I turn my back on God's ways all the time, and I'm guessing that you do too. And he could choose to be bitter about that. He could eventually choose to turn his back on us and be bitter and just say, you know what? Fine, figure it out for yourself. But he didn't. You know what he does? He constantly, lovingly forgives us. Every sin, if you're in Christ, every sin that you've ever committed has been forgiven and every sin that you will ever commit has been forgiven. You know, if you think about it on the cross 2,000 years ago, all of your sin was future sin, right? It's all been forgiven. And that's the other reason we need to live behind bitterness because I need forgiveness too. The Bible says that if you love God and hate your brother, well, in God's economy, that just doesn't work. That's impossible. If you've experienced the love and forgiveness of God, you can't hate your brother. But if we're not careful, some of us will actually freely receive the forgiveness of God and then withhold it from someone else. 
God has forgiven me of all the times I've turned my back on him. He's forgiven you of all the times you've betrayed him. So how can you withhold that forgiveness from someone who's hurt you? So why should I leave bitterness behind? Well, first of all, bitterness hurts everyone, including me. Secondly, I need forgiveness in my life too. So now that we've talked about the why, let's spend the rest of the morning talking about the the how. How do I forgive someone who ripped my heart out? How do I forgive someone who stole away my adolescence? How do I forgive someone who hurt someone I love? Well, the first thing is this. We start with prayer. We pray for those who hurt you. And, and don't pray that they get hemorrhoids, okay? Don't pray like that they get hit by a bus. We pray like Jesus prayed. When, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he looked down at the men who were torturing him and mocking him, and he said, Father, forgive them. Now look at how Jesus taught about forgiveness in Matthew chapter 5. He said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This was a countercultural teaching on Jesus's part. You know, at the, at the time, the Romans, the, the, the Jews were under the rule of the Roman Empire, and the Romans actually had a goddess uh, named Ultio that they worshipped who was the goddess of vengeance. Like, vengeance was not just acceptable, it was recognized as good. It was something that they worshipped. They worshipped vengeance. They worshipped revenge. It was encouraged. It was celebrated. And even the Jews taught an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. But then Jesus comes along and says, no, I say to you, love your enemies. You're going to be different. You know, all through Jesus's ministry, one of the things he preached was, this is how they'll know that you are my disciples, the way you love one another. Love your enemies, pray for your enemies, pray for those who persecute. Now, you know, you may say, but I don't, I don't really feel like praying for them. I don't feel like it, or how can I pray for them? It wouldn't be sincere. I don't have it in me. But notice Jesus doesn't say, um, hey, pray for them when you feel like it. If we wait until we feel like praying for someone who's hurt us, we will never, ever pray for someone who's hurt us. It's just like if uh, you're sitting at home at night tonight and you're bored and you start scrolling through your phone and you think, I'm just gonna do this till I get bored of it. I wanna tell you, your phone is perfectly designed to hold your attention for as long as you'll let it. Every app that you have on there that you scroll, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh, Snapchat, they have engineers spending hours and hours every year trying to figure out what it is that you like and what it is that keeps you entertained. And they have designed their apps to keep you entertained for as long as you're willing to look at them. If you wait until you're bored to stop looking at your phone, you will never stop looking at your phone. If you wait until you're ready to pray for someone, you will never pray for someone. There will always be something that's telling you, well, they haven't done the last thing that I want them to do yet. Maybe you've heard the, the saying, right feelings follow right actions. That's not from the Bible, all right? It's not scriptural, but I think there is some truth to it. Uh, if you wait for the desire to pray for someone, you might wait forever, but if your heart's desire is to follow the Lord and to live like Jesus, you need to start praying. And if you start praying, then I will pray that the Lord will soften your heart towards that person. Start praying for the Lord to do a work in your heart. Invite him into the pain and the resentment. Invite him into the questions you have. It's not like you're hiding some deep, dark secret in your heart that he doesn't know about, okay? So invite him in. He already knows. Like, look at it like this. When it comes to deep wounds and hurt, forgiveness is not like this switch you flip. That one day, 
it's going to feel all better and you'll be able to forgive and you'll be able to pray for that person. The deeper the hurt, the more likely that forgiveness is going to take some time. But please, take the time. Do the work. It's worth it. Don't let bitterness rule in your life. Do the work to forgive and start with prayer. And then the second thing is this. You forgive as you have been forgiven. Remember this verse I shared with you, Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. How did God forgive you? Completely, totally, and finally, you forgive the same way. I love the way that the disciple Peter asked Jesus about forgiveness. One time he asked Jesus this question. He says, how many times should I forgive someone who sinned against me? Should I forgive them three times or seven times? He said seven times. Now the the Jewish people had this kind of rule that if somebody repeatedly sinned against you, you should forgive them up to three times. So when Peter said, should I forgive them seven times? He was actually being quite generous. He was going above and beyond what what the Jewish rule required. But Jesus, listen to him. Jesus said, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. It was his way of saying, don't even keep track. Don't even keep count. Just keep forgiving. Now, I just want to take a moment as I say that and answer this question. Like, what what if you're in danger? Like, what if the situation is such that you could end up being hurt? Well, if that's the case, if you're in an abusive situation, you need to get out. You, You can leave the house. You can forgive the person from a distance. But you need to stay out of that until they're able to take full responsibility for what they've done and to get professional help. I mean, remember, in all of these situations, forgiveness doesn't mean you jump right back into the same relationship you had before the hurt happened. You know, forgiveness is one thing. Reconciliation is another thing altogether. And reconciliation takes time, okay? Forgiveness needs to happen. As, as Christians, if you're a Christian, we're, we're commanded to forgive. We are not commanded to reconcile. And forgiveness needs to happen as soon as it can. Reconciliation may happen over time by the grace of God. Jesus says, forgive. That's what what we do. I'm forgiven by Christ. I didn't deserve his grace. But because I belong to him, I offer the same forgiveness that's been given to me. Uh, June 30th, 2008, Mario Gonzalez Tello was standing outside his favorite restaurant on the west side of Indianapolis. It was late at night, and he saw a woman being held up in the parking lot by a young man, and he decided to intervene. He was worried for the young woman's life. He pulled out his gun, but the young man, uh, Dominic Staten, who was then just 16 years old, pulled out his gun and shot Mario and uh, he bled to death in the parking lot. The woman escaped. Mario fled on foot. He was caught, or or, I'm sorry, uh, Dominic fled on foot. He was caught a couple weeks later, still carrying the murder weapon in his school backpack. Mario's death left a hole in the lives of his adult children, but 10 or so years later, two of his sons decided they wanted to meet the man who killed their father. So they contacted someone from the Restorative Justice Exchange. If you don't know about the Restorative Justice Exchange, it's a ministry of prison fellowship. Maybe you're familiar with prison fellowship. Um, They contacted, in turn, CNN, who wanted to capture the men's story for a series called The Redemption Project. Uh, I want to show you the end of this conversation between Aldo and Mario Jr., two of of, uh, Mario's sons, and Dominic Staten, the man who killed their father. Take a look at this. What we want 
is for dad's memory not to just fade away. I want you to have hope. You're with people who are in dark spots. You can be the light for them. And now dad's memory lives through you. It's not just over when he died on that parking lot. Every year on June 30th, I take that moment, that time, and pray for your family. As their kids lost their grandfather, they lost, some people lost a friend, a mentor, a brother, whoever he may be to those. I'm very remorseful and I'm deeply sorry about this whole situation because it was never my intentions to kill anybody. I was just being selfish and greedy. I wanted something that I should have worked hard for when I had a chance to. I could sit here and hate you all day long, okay? One, it takes way too much energy. I don't want to invest that much energy into hate. We got enough hate in the world right now, man. I mean, we, we, need, we need to stop. We hate what happened. I don't want you to think we hate you. And I'm proud of what you're starting to do. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that you're taking the opportunity to be a better person. I feel in my heart that you are remorseful. And we all make mistakes. Hope heals everything. You get to write the last chapter for my dad. Dominique, is there anything you'd like to say this time? Uh, I mean, this is a blessing. This, this guy's work. And I'm so, so deeply sorry for what happened to Mr. Gonzalez. I know I can't bring him back or anything whatsoever, but I can hold his memory to my heart for the rest of my life. Thank you all for your contributions. Dominic. Is it good? Cool. Shake your hand. Thank you, Waldo. We appreciate it. Thank you, man. I appreciate it so much for this opportunity. Thank you, son. Thank you, thank you man. Hey, just remember, God loves you, man. He does, okay? Again, that story is from a show called The Redemption Project uh, with Van Jones. If you want to see the whole story, it's about 45 minutes. It's streaming on Discovery+. Plus. You can watch it there. I can tell you this process of forgiveness wasn't easy for Aldo and Mario. It didn't happen overnight. It was a long process that happened one step at a time. And I can tell you because I got to see it up close because Aldo is my brother-in-law. He uh, married my sister a few years ago. And look, your story may not be as difficult as this one, but it might be just as painful. And here's my prayer for you today. If you're in bondage to bitterness and resentment in your life, I'm praying that starting today, God's spirit would touch your heart and that he would do a miracle in your life. I'm praying that God would give you the same power and strength to forgive that he used when he forgave you because he has forgiven us. We can do the same for others.